0: Good morning, Saginaw First. It is so good to be with you virtually today, and I just want to greet you. And thank you, Pastor Kurt, and the whole team here for welcoming me. It's an honor to share with you, and Pastor Kurt, we're praying that you feel better real soon. And so this morning, I want to share uh, a scripture that's spoken to me this week and encouraged me that I think has a pertinent message during this time of crisis. I serve overseas in East Africa uh, amongst an unreached people group. And just to give you a little background, an unreached people group, uh, as as theologians have defined it, is uh, 2% evangelical or less. And so that is a people group that speaks the same language, same ethnicity, that is 2% Christian or less. And why 2%? Well, they've seen that once the church is more than 2% Uh, Evangelical Christian, it has the the ability to grow on its own without outside help of people coming in to serve the church. Where I serve is actually 99.99% non-Christian. So this is a context where there is no existing church. uh, There is uh, no evangelistic witness unless outsiders come in to share the gospel. And so uh, I am a a part of a wonderful team in East Africa that uh, we run and operate educational centers. And so what we do is we come into a community because we cannot go around and and proclaim, we're here to convert you. Uh, That would not go well in our context. The people uh, I particularly serve amongst have been pretty hostile and resistant to the Christian message traditionally. And so we come in. To, lo- to love them, to serve them, to honor them, to learn from them. And-, and how we do that is we run educational centers. And so I'm an English teacher. I come and I teach English. As I uh, teach English, I form relationships. Uh, we follow the model of John 1.14. And in the message version, John 1.14 says, Jesus took on flesh and blood and he moved into the neighborhood. And so I moved into the neighborhood amongst this unreached people group Uh, become a teacher, uh, formed relationships, and as we form relationships, we share Jesus, uh, those walls of, of hostility and separation come down, and we're able to have an honest conversation. And ultimately, our goal is to plant the church where it's not, but not just one church location, but a multiplication, a movement of churches among the unreached. And I just want to say thank you, Saginaw. You guys have invested in this work. Uh, you are financially and prayerfully giving to this work. And so it is an honor to partner with you. And I'm going to share some stories as we go on in this message. But let's get at it and let's look at the scripture. So we're looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. A little background for you. Uh, we're in the nation of Israel, but Israel has actually been split in two. There was a civil war uh, after uh, Solomon's, King Solomon's death. And the nation is divided into two. So you have the northern part. Of Israel. Unfortunately, the northern kingdom has not uh, been following the Lord Yahweh anymore. They've been turned to pagan idolatry and turned away from the Lord mostly. There was Elijah and others that came as prophets to try to draw them back to the Lord, but they've generally turned away from the Lord. In the south, we have the southern kingdom of Judah. And Judah has is, is, is remained more faithful to the Lord, they've had their issues. Uh, But Judah uh, has had kings that have sought the Lord. And in this story, we have a king named Jehoshaphat. Love that name, Jehoshaphat. And he served from about 870 A.D. to 849, or 870 B.C. to 849 B.C. And so he's serving in uh, Judah, the southern kingdom at this time, when an army from the east, what would be modern-day Jordan, from, from multiple nations of Moab Ammon and this area uh, about Mount Seir, they joined together to invade Judah. And so that's where we're going to pick up the story. So if we look at Second Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 1, it says, The armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Munanites, declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazan Tamar, that's another name for Engedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So the people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. And so as we look at this story, some background on Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was not a pacifist. He was actually known as a fighter, and if you go back a few chapters earlier in Second Chronicles, Chronicles chapter 17, he had an army that is recorded of 1,160,000 soldiers. That's actually the second largest army. Recorded in First Chronicles or Second Chronicles, the only army that was larger was the army during David's reign, the most prosperous and success, successful reign in Israel's history. So he had a massive army. He was not a weak king; he had he had a strong army. Yet this force that was invading from the east terrified Jehoshaphat. This was a foe that he felt was beyond his strength, this was a crisis for the nation of Judah. No matter who we are, no matter how strong or big we may seem, we're all going to face a foe that's too big for us sometime in our lives. And as I think of this coronavirus that's, that's just spread across this world, this is a foe that is too big for any one of us. America is one of the strongest nations in the history of the world, yet this microscopic virus that we can't see with the common eye has shaken our economy and has destabilized our country and the whole world. It's, a t- it's too big of a foe for any one of us. And frankly, we may feel overwhelmed at times. We may feel like Jehoshaphat, who was terrified. And actually... This is a a natural uh, response. Fear is a normal response to crisis. And I want to validate that. If you're feeling afraid today and you're feeling overwhelmed, that's normal. When hard times come, and they do, it's normal to feel overwhelmed. It's normal to feel afraid, whether it's illness, financial loss, a threat of violence, natural disaster. We feel that, right? We're feeling destabilized in these uncertain times. It's okay to feel that fear. But I do want to say it's not okay to let fear control us. And Jehoshaphat did not let the fear, the terror he felt, control him. He was overwhelmed. He was afraid. But that drove him to seek the Lord. See, the difference is we can feel fear, but... We respond with courage, and courage is not the absence of fear. We feel the fear, but courage is choosing to not let fear dictate our response. And so may we be courageous today like Jehoshaphat, who, in response to his fear, gathered the community of Judah together to seek the Lord, to fast, and to pray. And so Jehoshaphat called his people in his time of crisis to seek the Lord. In times of crisis, you know, all of our solutions, all of our answers don't work, right? <laughs> we don't have the answer. If we did, we would, we would follow that. Crisis actually reveals how strong we are. In times of crisis, the footing, the grounding that we have, the, the, the ground we're standing on becomes kind of de- destabilized and uncertain. And in those times, we reach out for something. And I think of it like this, like a crutch. In our times, hard times, difficult times, we reach out and we grab onto our crutch. And our crutch may be many things, and that's a thing that can stable us. It's something, it's a person, and so there could be crutches that aren't necessarily bad things. That could be a parent, a spouse, a friend, and you lean upon them for stability and support in the hard times, in the crisis. The problem with that is they're going to have their own challenges and their own struggles, and they can only support you for so long. And in crisis, everyone is destabilized. Everyone is on uh, difficult footing, and they're all kind of stumbling around together. And if you lean on somebody else, you're all going to fall. So that is not a sustainable model either. And unfortunately, many of us turn to negative crutches, uh, things like uh, sexual relationships or, or pornography or, or addictions of drug and alcohol or overeating. These kind of things will provide a semblance, a feeling of stability temporarily, but so quickly will leave us hungering for more and more destabilized than we were in the first place and we'll fall in this spiral out of control uh, and, and the, the crisis will push us to a place of negativity and, and, and just uh, overwhelmed beyond than where we started. So in our times of crisis, there's really only one crutch that can hold us and that is our eternal rock our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Anything else you lean upon will ultimately fail you. The Lord is the only crutch that can hold us. He is enough because God is never in crisis. So may we be like Jehoshaphat, who brought the people of Judah to a time of prayer and fasting to lean upon the Lord. And one one lesson we can learn from this is that Jehoshaphat, sought the Lord, and God was his crutch in his hour of fear. He felt the fear, but he did not allow the fear to control him. And so as we go forward in the coming days, I don't have the answers. Nobody really has the answers of of what's going to come about this crisis. We don't know how this will all play out. But we need to be like Jehoshaphat and lean upon the Lord, because he is strong enough to save us. So as we go and continue on in this story, Jehoshaphat led a prayer for, for the people of Judah. And I, and I want to look at this prayer because I think we can use it as a template uh, as we pray in this season, in, in our hour of crisis. And so let's look at the scriptures and let's look at five, five aspects, five parts of this prayer uh, that Jehoshaphat prayed uh, to lead us to pray during this season. So number one, Jehoshaphat declared the truth of who God is. He declared God's nature. That's how he began his prayer. He said, "O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. There's something powerful about stating the truth of who God is. When we speak God's truth, the truth of his character, it builds our confidence in him. We don't pray this as if God needs to hear who he is. We pray the truth of who God is to remind us of who he is, remind us of who our hope is in, remind us of his steadfastness, his certainty, his power, his strength. And as we speak those things, our hope and our trust start to build. So in crisis, the first thing we can learn from Jehoshaphat in this prayer is to remind ourselves of who God is. The second thing in his prayer, he recounted God's past faithfulness. He recounted God's past faithfulness. He said, Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? So he went back in the history of Israel. And he said, didn't you give this land to, the, to, to our forefather Abraham? And, and you drove out the, the, the other nations that lived in this land. He reminded himself, he reminded his people of God's past faithfulness. In crisis, we need to remind ourselves that God, what God has done for us in the past. You know, when we look back, we're reminded of how far God has taken us. You know, in my context, in the communities I live, living amongst the unreached is not easy. It's difficult. On a day-to-day basis, the spiritual warfare that, that we're uh, engaging in, there's days where I go home and I haven't really done anything and I am just Exhausted. And it's just the spiritual warfare, being in a place uh, of very little Christian presence. I think of, put on top of that, the stress of, of terrorist elements, extremist elements, uh, thieves that all are within our communities, gangs, and that, that just weighs on you. And, and in those times, it's essential that I remember my calling. It's essential I remember what God has done for me and how far he's brought me. You know, I remember over 10 years ago uh, when the Lord called me to serve overseas. I got saved uh, as a college student at the University of Michigan, and I was stumbling around trying to figure out what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And I come to my senior year, and I go to this big conference where they're challenging people, give a year to overseas work and and pray about a lifetime. And so I was open to that, but I kind of went into it, and honestly, I was like, oh, God, I pray that you send me, but if you want to, I'm not sure, but I don't really want to go to China or Africa. China because uh, I'd done a trip with my uh, college group to China and I loved it. I just didn't really feel a connection to China. In Africa, I was like, you know, I've studied history and enough white people have screwed up Africa. They don't need me. Uh, So my heart was probably in a good place, but I was was talking to uh, someone who served in Southern Africa. Three-minute conversation. No more than three minutes, and by the end of that conversation, all I can say is God has changed my mind. The light bulb was off, and the light bulb came on. And I turned to my friend. I was like, "Dude, I think, I think I'm supposed to serve in Africa." And then uh, right after that, I went to this uh, breakout session on the Holy Spirit, and I didn't really have a background uh, of the Holy Spirit, but I had this encounter in that. In that breakout session where I was filled with the Holy Spirit and was speaking in tongues for the first time in my life, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, so I felt God calling me to Africa and baptizing me in the Holy Spirit, it was a moment that I'll never forget, one of the best days of my life, one of those moments where I know that I know that I know that God spoke to me. And God since then has affirmed and reaffirmed that calling over and over again, and in the hard times. I need to remember that. I need to remember the, the times where gods came through. I think of uh, a story. Uh, I went over to seize a year out of college. I'm in Africa in a different context than I am now. But I joined a, 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 a church and they had a, a basketball court. And so I was playing uh, basketball at this church. And I'm playing with a group of guys. Uh, and after a couple times, I realized I'm not playing with a group of guys, these group of guys are a gang. And I was 23 years old playing basketball with a gang in the largest slum in Africa. And I'm like, God, what are you doing here? Yet God started to move. And people were leaving the gang uh, and joining the church. One young man, uh, he he gave his heart to Jesus. And that night he was supposed to go out with his gang partner and they would rob people and steal from them at night. Uh, But his partner was actually caught that night. And the only reason he did not go out was because he gave his life to Jesus Christ that night. And his partner was caught and killed that night. And so his life was, was spared that night. I have to remind myself of those things. There was another story of that time where I was going door to door in the slum community with, with some, some friends of mine. And we go to this woman's door to pray with her, to tell her about Jesus. Uh, we, we come in, she invites us in, we start talking to her. She's a, a single mother, all alone, A couple kids are there, very small quarters. And she starts telling us that just the troubles in her life. And she was planning to, that very day, take rat poison, give rat poison to her children, end their lives and their suffering, and take her own life and end her own suffering. And then we came along to pray with her and to tell her about Jesus. And when we came in and we started sharing, the Holy Spirit came in and changed the room, and the woman just, uh, started crying and giving her life to Jesus, and she, she saved, we, we saw that Jesus saved her life physically and spiritually that day, saved those children's lives. I need to remember those stories, and I know that you have stories where God has done something in the past, and in times of crisis, we need to remind ourselves of the times that God has come through, and say, God, you've done it in the past. You've done it before, and we believe you can do it again. The third thing he he prayed is Jehoshaphat proclaimed God's promises. So he said, your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple Where your name is honored, we can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. And so Jehoshaphat stood on the promises of God. He proclaimed the promises of God. In this case, uh, he had promised that if they cry out to him, if they seek him in the temple, he would hear them and rescue them. That he would save them from any calamity, including war. And so God's promises are immutable. That means unchangeable. Uh, he, and Jehoshaphat reminded himself of the promises that God had given the people of Judah and Israel. And during this season of the coronavirus, let us stand on the promises of God. Those scriptures, those the scriptures that are never going to change, they're always true. But also those words that God has spoken to us. There's, there's specific words in our prayer times, in our lives, that God has given to us, I think in my life, of the promise that I was praying one time, and I was overwhelmed. I was like, God, are you really calling me to this people group? It's, it's a, and, I, and I had one of those times, like, Lord, do you really know? Like, that's a dangerous place, Lord, and it's, it's known for violence and war. And I'll never forget, the Lord spoke to me, he said, I cannot call you to a life without joy. And I have stood upon that promise, that word, for so long. I cannot call you to a life without without joy. In this season of the coronavirus, I say that to you, Saginaw first. He's not calling you to a life without joy. There is joy for you in this season. And those are promises that we can stand upon. The fourth thing, Jehoshaphat interceded for God's help. So actually he he spoke the truth of who God was, he he reminded himself of what God had done in the past, and he spoke God's promises before he ever got to his prayer request. And so now we get to his actual request for help. And he lists the history, uh, some history of these other people groups and what God had done in the past. And then he says, oh, our God, won't you stop them? He specifically asks God to stop them from coming in and invading their land. Jesus told us that if we ask him, He will give it to us. If we seek him, we will find it. If we knock, the door will be open. That's Matthew chapter 7. God wants us to ask specifically. In the book of James, it says sometimes we don't receive because we don't ask. And so after we posture our hearts through the first three previous prayers, the fourth one is specifically asking God. And it is my hope that in this time of crisis in the world, that the church would rise up and pray like it never has before. And I've seen God do this. God answers prayer. One of the most dramatic stories I can think of is, in 2014, I was visiting uh, East Africa, and I was on a vision trip. I was was praying about, Lord, are you calling me back long term? Because I had spent a year in Africa, Then I came back to the U.S. for a season. But I knew long-term, he was calling me to Africa. Lord, where are you calling me? When are you calling me? The specifics, I was on a vision trip. First day I was back, I went to a prayer and worship gathering with a friend of mine. Well, I told everybody, we're going to leave this at 5 p.m. because I need to take a bus to get uptown, uh, and I want to get back to where I'm staying before the sun sets, and walking around there is not the safest at night. So I told people, I'm leaving at 5 p.m., Around four fifty in the service, the Holy Spirit really started to move, and I was enjoying. I was like man this is, this is good and, and I'm looking at the clock four fifty five I'm like, oh, maybe I can stay a little longer. I'm not sure. Around five o'clock, I feel something in my spirit. It's not a strong strong feeling, just a, a simple feeling that I'm supposed to stay here. I'm not supposed to leave. And so I just obeyed and I, and I ended up staying, and I felt like the Holy Spirit told me. I'll work a a safe way for you to get home. And so a couple hours later, the service ends. I I go up to a friend I I knew from before my time uh, in in that community, and he had a car. I didn't know he had a car. He he didn't used to have a car, and he agreed to give us a ride home. We're pulling out uh, into the, the, the road, and we hear on the news that two buses had exploded. These are the same number, the same route, and the same time that we would have been on one of those buses. There was a terrorist attack uh, in that city. Multiple people died on those buses, multiple injured. And the only reason we were not on one of those buses is I felt something in my spirit. So that in itself is a pretty crazy story. But I come back, uh, I'm back in Ann Arbor and uh, visiting with my neighbor and who's a wonderful woman of God named Mary Ellen and shout out to Mary Ellen, because I know you're going to be watching this, and I'm talking to Mary Ellen, and I'm telling her this story, and she's like, "What?" And she's like, "What day was that?" And I said, "I tell her the day." And she's like, "You're not going to believe this." She said, "I've never had this happen in my life, but I woke up that morning with such a strong burden to pray for you, and specifically to pray for your safety. And I'm like, whoa. She's like, no, you don't get it. She said, I called up my pastor and we prayed over the phone for you. And we did the math and with the time change, the exact time that her and that pastor prayed over the phone was the time that I felt in my spirit to stay in that service. I don't know how prayer works. I don't have a theology of prayer for you, but prayer is powerful. I may only be alive because of the faithful. Intercession and prayers of Mary Ellen in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And so prayer works. In this time, may we pray to the Lord to intercede in this situation. And let's look at the fifth part of Jehoshaphat's prayer. He confessed his powerlessness, his inability, and complete dependence on God. He prayed, we are powerless against the mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. We are looking to you for help. And so, Jehoshaphat knew, I can't defeat this army. And, and you know what? I think all of us individually know we can't defeat this virus. Maybe gathering to, together collectively, and there's things we can do, but we need God's help. We need God's power. We are helpless without Him. And God's Spirit is like water. It flows to the lowest places. And when we are lowly and humble before him, confessing our powerlessness, he fills us with his strength. Or As, as Paul said it, when we are weak, we are strong. And so may we be that lowly place that the God's spirit can flow into. And in our work in East Africa, we're, we're amongst an unreached people group that has historically been very hostile, resistant to the gospel. We know that if God doesn't show up, this is not going to happen. If God doesn't show up, we're not going to see any church planted. We are completely dependent and powerless on our own. We're dependent on God and powerless on our own. I can't save anyone. I can't plant a church. Uh, Only God can do that. If God doesn't show up in our project, in our work, amongst the unreached, nothing will happen. And Jehoshaphat knew that as well. And so these five areas of prayer can be a guide or a template for us during this season. One, because Jehoshaphat knew who God was, who God is. What he's done for us in the past. Three, what he's promised for us. And that leads us then to four, to cry out for his intervention and his provision. And five, to confess our inability to move or to save ourselves during this crisis. This is the kind of prayer that moves the heart of God. So what I want to do right now is to stop the message and to lead us in a prayer. And if you're at home, I want you to pray along with me. You can pray out loud as I kind of guide us through these five areas to pray. So let's begin. Let's just begin, number one, by calling out who God is. And so, God, we declare right now, this morning, we declare that you are our Lord. You are our Savior. You are King. You are sovereign. Lord, we trust you. God, we declare that you have all the solutions. We don't have them, but you do. And so, God, we look to you today. Our hope is in you. Our faith is in you, God. We stand only by you, by by what you've done. You are our healer in this time, and we declare that you will get us through it. Let's go to number two. Number two, we remind ourselves of what you've done in the past. And so, so church, just take a moment to, to remind yourself of what God's done in the past. God, I thank you that you, you saved me. You've changed me. you transformed me. Lord, oh, you poured out your spirit in my life. God, you literally saved my life. Lord, and I, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for the times that you've used me, as weak as I am. God, you've used me to be a blessing in this world. And I believe that you can use me again. Lord, you, you've saved me and you've healed me. And God, for those that are hurting, I pray that you do it again. Heal them. God, do it again, Lord. Lord, you've moved in our nation. God, you've brought revival in the past. We say, do it again. We remember the past revivals, the great awakenings, and the Jesus people movement in the 60s and 70s. We pray, do it again, Lord. God, bring our nation to you. Do it again. Number three, we're going to remember the promises of God. And so, Let's move into that. Lord, we, we, we declare uh, your promises still stand. Lord, you are with us always, even into the end of the age. God, you said in your word, if we seek your face, we pray, we, we, we uh, turn from our wicked ways, we humble ourselves, and, and Lord, you will heal our land. So God, we, we seek you today. God, we ask that you'd humble our land. Lord, that's a promise from Scripture God I, I thank you in my life you said that you cannot call call us to a life without joy and so we, we pray for that joy that's a promise we have in you lord and you're coming again Lord uh, Lord just prepare us for that coming that is a promise that's going to happen lord and so prepare this world for your coming god we we stand on those promises that you never forsake us you never fail us Lord you never fail us God we also declare in your word like that that, that you will turn all things for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So, Lord, turn this situation right now in our world, in this crisis, turn it for good, won't you, Lord? Number four, we, we now go into specific intercession. And so, God, I specifically ask that you would stop the spread of this virus, Lord. I pray that you would move in this world during this crisis, God. Lord, I pray that you'd give our government leaders uh, wisdom uh, during this season, just the right policies. God, give our community leaders and church leaders, God, the right wisdom and policies. We speak healing, God, for those who are sick. Lord, I speak healing over Pastor Kurt today in Jesus' name. I speak healing over Greg Mundus, who's uh, AGWM, uh, World Missions Director. I speak healing over him today. And and Ron Maddox, who who is China Director, we speak healing over him in Jesus' name. If you're sick today, I speak healing over you in Jesus' name. God, we ask that you would intervene in this situation. And God, would you use this for your good to draw nations to you, to draw unreached people groups to you. God, we pray that the lost would be found and come into relationship with you in this season. And five, we declare our helplessness, God. If you don't come, Lord, we're, we're not going to be able to do anything. Lord, we're going to stay locked up in our houses. If you don't show up, Lord... Nothing will happen. So God, come, Lord Jesus, come. We are helpless. We are dependent upon you. We don't have the power on our own or strength on our own to to fight this virus, Lord, to, to, to serve you in this world. We need you, God. So won't you come, Lord? Will you help us in our weakness and fill us with your strength? And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And so... I want you to, to, to use this as a prayer during this season. I believe these five, five parts of this prayer can guide us and lead us. And Before we end this message, I just want to look at a, a few things. What, what happened to Jehoshaphat? What happened to Judah? Well, after Jehoshaphat uh, finishes his prayer, a, a, a prophet uh, named Jehaziel, great name, Jehoshaphat, Jehaziel, there's some good names in here, Jehaziel speaks up. And he basically says, don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. And then he goes on to say, God is with you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. So the prophet called them to kind of do a, a, a counterintuitive military strategy, to send the army and the people of Judah out into the wilderness against the enemy, but they would not fight the enemy. And Jehoshaphat, I think a, a lot of leaders like, would probably dismiss this, but Jehoshaphat did not dismiss this prophetic word. Because he had aligned his heart with God's, he accepted it, and he actually fell before the, 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 the people, bowed low, and worshipped God. And all the people of Jerusalem did the same. And then the next day, he led the people out into the wilderness. And so this shows us actually the next uh, response to, to our time of prayer. When we pray, our response always has to be faith. Jehoshaphat responded to, to the time of prayer and to the prophetic word, with faith. When we pray, God is going to raise our faith and God is going to give us words or directions, insights, maybe promises from his word. And we have to walk into those, step into that by faith as if God is going to answer it. But here's the interesting thing. God usually gives us the big picture, victory, you're going to defeat the enemies, all these things. But he did not tell Jehoshaphat or Judah how they're going to defeat them. He just said, go out. And so they stepped out. They did not have the details. Oftentimes, we, we see the end result, that, that, that faith end result that God is calling us to, but we don't know the specifics. We don't know the details. Faith usually doesn't have all the details. We're called to step out without the details, by faith, and God will fill those in as we go. So in our work at East Africa... It's a work of faith. We believe that God will plant the church, but we don't necessarily have all the details. And so we've stepped out, we, we've opened our school, we're in the community, and we have, we have plans and we have strategies, but we, des- we don't necessarily know how God's going to build his church, but we believe in the end result that God will establish his church there. I think of uh, the story of Nina. Uh, Nina was in our school, Forming a relationship with our teachers, they were uh, getting to know her, and, and uh, through a miraculous dream, uh, Nina uh, started uh, opening up to, to wanting to read the Bible. She starts reading the Bible, and over the course of, uh, of quite a while, she she eventually gives her heart to Jesus. And this was this was a big deal for us. We, we this was the first person we had seen come to Jesus, and, and we were we were ecstatic. And uh, Nina's uh, walking with us, growing in her faith. Well, one day Nina comes to uh, talk to me and another team member. And she says, I want to, and she doesn't really have the words, but she's, she's saying, I want to worship with other people, and I want to pray in and, and my language, and my culture. Uh, but I, she doesn't have the words to say, but she wants to do church. And so i I I'm talking to Nina, and I say, you know, we're not, there's not a lot of other people from your, your, your people group and your language to meet together and to, to study the Bible and to do, you know, to, to pray and to do what, you know, you call church. But, you know, what if we just, what if we gather with you, a couple of us of uh, the foreign workers and uh, we pray with you in the local language and we, uh, we worship in your local language, we study the, the Bible in the local language because we have done our best to try to learn the language and you know, what if we do that with you? And she said, well, okay, yeah, I guess we can try that. And so we started gathering together and, and having a, a church service. And, and uh, you know, it, it, was, it had its bumps. You know, imagine when you have your one congregate and your one congregate doesn't show up. You know, that's, <laughs> you, know you don't have church that day. But we were growing, and, and it was a completely a work of faith. And I remember when we started, I turned to Nina. I said, hey, Nina, we're we're doing this but we're preparing the way for more to come. As we do this, we believe more will come. We're preparing the way for more to come. That was, a, that was a, just a, a word of faith. I, I didn't necessarily know how it would happen, but we would believe God would fill in those details. And, and over the, the next year or two, we started to see the Holy Spirit move. And, and we went from, her, just her, to to now one other, to to two others, to, to five others, and we we had after a while we had a legitimate house church, and and five doesn't sound like a lot in most settings, but we're in, we're talking out in a, in a context where there has been little Christian witness and and little evidence of the church, uh, five seemed like a lot to us, and we were celebrating that God was building His church, He was filling in those details. See God calls us to faith he kind of gives us the the big picture victory but then we have to walk out and step into that and in that process i think of of the doors that he's opened up along the way things that i could have never predicted god opened up a door of of a group of young men who had already denied their religion which is a big deal to deny their religion but they were still open and seeking. They still believe there was a God, and we were able to meet them and to come alongside of them. And two of those young men have gotten saved and given their lives to Jesus. And they've, they've connected us with others and reaching out to others within their community. There are details that I could have never predicted. So we step out in faith. During this time of crisis, God will get us through it. How? I don't have all the details, but He will. I've seen Him do it in East Africa, establishing the church where it's not. And we have stepped out in faith, and God has began to fill out the details. And if we go back to the story here where Jehoshaphat led the army out into the wilderness, and they did a radical thing. They started worshipping. And so they started worshipping as they entered into the wilderness towards the, the enemy armies. And it says the moment they began to worship, God turned the enemies against each other and they got to this point where they looked out onto their enemies and all their enemies were defeated. So when we step out in faith, we don't know how God will bring about the victory, but we believe that he will. And so may we step out in faith in this season. After we pray, step out in faith and as we do, may we be like the people of Jehoshaphat and Judah who worshipped God as if the word was true as if their prayers were answered. They worshipped into the battlefield as if God was already answering their prayers. Before they ans- their prayers were ever answered, they worshipped as if their prayers were answered. And so during this time of crisis, I don't know what will happen, but I believe this story is a great example for us to, to lean on God. Yes, we're going f- to feel afraid. We're going to feel terrified at times. But I encourage you, lean upon God. He is the crutch that is stable and will hold us. As we lean upon him, let's pray. Let's follow Jehoshaphat's example of declaring the truth of who God is, what God has done in the past, God's promises, then going into specific intercession and prayer, and five, confessing our dependence. Then let's respond to that prayer in faith, not knowing all the details, but believing God and trusting him, even if we don't have the details, that the outcome will be good. And from there, may we live and worship as if the prayer has already been answered. Saginaw First, you guys are awesome. It is an amazing privilege of mine to partner with you, and I bless you this week in Jesus' name. Amen.